Good morning and welcome to the Dungeon Musings Podcast. My name is Kevin Madison and I will be your friendly Dungeon Muser today. I apologize for the absence from the uh, podcast for the last little while. I've actually been uh, quite sick over the last week uh, and I've had a voice that alternatingly sounds like I've dropped about six octaves uh, or uh, that I sound like a teenager with a cracking voice that jumps into the falsetto and I figured that would, uh, neither of those would make for particularly engaging listening. So I had uh, elected to take a week off, let my voice recover, but I'm back. So uh, today what I'd like to do is um, talk a little bit about the relationship between compl- like rules complexity and um, dramatic pacing. And I think I'm going to get a little bit into uh, talking about player knowledge of rules and player ownership of the pacing as well. Um, I don't really, this is something I've been grappling with for quite some time, to be honest. Uh, I tend to yo-yo between really complex games and, and really uh, simple games or games with simple mechanics. And um, there's reasons for enjoying both those. And I kind of want to talk about those and the challenges I've experienced and see if I can't come up with some uh, conclusions to draw from this. Or maybe more importantly, some some um, uh, strategies for, for managing those things or ways to address specific issues with complex rules versus uh, non-complex rules. So let's get going. Okay, so... Um, the, what got me thinking about this uh, recently is um, making plans for uh, the gaming I'm, I'm going to be doing in the new year. Now, it's at, at the time of recording, it is December 21st, uh, 2018. So uh, I have been spending the last month kind of whittling down my list of games that I'd like to uh, play in the new year. And uh, those games kind of yo-yo between um, relatively uh, mechanically simplistic games, at least on the player side. Uh, for well, and that's not true. They're on the player side and on the combat. So, I guess maybe one way of, of framing this conversation is to s- set out that the, the two areas of complexity that I'm going to be talking about are character creation and combat. And the reason I think that those are the two areas I want to focus on is because those are generally the ones that uh, are present in pretty much every game that I that you know you would play. Uh, there are some games that have you know say uh, social interaction rules or like you know, family or domain or something like that, management, you know, the the um, um, Song of Ice and Fire role-playing game from uh, Green Ronin comes to mind as something that's got, you know, extra layers to the game. But the thing that you'll probably find in most games is going to be character creation uh, and character advancement. I'll just, you know, character management, I guess, is maybe a way of categorizing those. And uh, combat, and combat is obviously, you know, the, um, the part of the game that uh, is going to, probably have, uh, you know, the most dramatic tension in it. Um, at least it is something where, uh, let me rephrase that, because I mean, if you're running a horror game, there's going to be dramatic uh, dramatic tension in other things. If you're role-playing in your campaign, there's going to be, you know, dramatic tension from uh, the interaction with NPCs. This is where, in most games, the dramatic, the area where dramatic tension is important uh, is going to be interfacing most heavily with the rules in it. So, combat and uh, character generation. Now, um, a related thing to this as well, I think, is player uh, player attention. And here's what my thesis is. My, I guess I'll start with there. My thesis is is that I think that when you have a game that has a really complex um, character generation system, 
like say Pathfinder or Starfinder or Rollmaster or you know something where there's uh, a lot of decisions that need to be made in terms of what parts of uh, you know what what elements get pl- thrown into the pot that make up your character uh, in that game, um, where they have a complex character management system uh, and there is a complex tactical system. What will often happen is that character players will hyper-focus on the character generation component because they can deal with that in a piecemeal fashion and they get direct benefits from it, but they won't necessarily pay attention to the tactical component. Um, so maybe I'll give some context to this. Is In recent, uh, in 2018, I discovered the Glass Cannon podcast. And it's a great and really enjoyable podcast where it's a bunch of guys, who, several of whom are... Uh, voice actors or actors in general or writers so they're really creative people who are used to performing in most cases and uh they uh they give some they or they they play through um a number of different adventure paths that are published by pathfinder the one that i had been listening to was the giant slayer path and it was really enjoyable like not not only because the guys are really fun players and they're funny and uh troy valley the guy runs who runs the game runs a really good game um, it's also that the game moved along at a really good pace. There never felt like there were slogs, you know, uh, or, or bits where the combat was slogging. And I've always found that to be the case in Pathfinder, just because there's, you know, there's always going to be a point where um, the, and not just Pathfinder, I mean, any role-playing games, any role-playing game with significant tactical uh, crunch to it, once it gets past like three or four rounds, I get kind of bored with the combat. I, I really want it to just resolve because I don't need it to keep on going. Um, but he, they don't do that. I mean, it's, it's a really engaging listening to the, the combat sound dramatic. And a large part of that is because the players know the combat system really well. Many of them have actually run Pathfinder as well, either for their groups or for like the Pathfinder Society, um, which that particular system, it does require the DM to know the system. And they, they need to know how combat works and how the different, you know, systems uh, uh, function, how the different modifiers will apply. Uh, because the players will be playing their characters with the expectation that those will apply. Uh, there are certain things that they will assume will happen when they take a minus to their you know, uh, attack roll and get a bonus to hit thanks to their power attack feat. Um, but that's a circumstance where both the players really know their... So they made also, I should say, they also made really interesting characters. Not only because they're great role players as well, but... Uh, mechanically, mechanically interesting characters. And um, that led me to dally with, uh, or to, to a dalliance where I was going to pl- run, um, what do you call it, uh, Pathfinder for uh, a time. Uh, but uh, as soon as we got playing, it became evident that my players um, weren't as interested in learning the uh, the tactical side of, of Pathfinder, like the how the actual mechanics work, how their spells work, how you know, spell interrupts work and things like that, um, which led to a lot of me doing what I do in other games, which is just filling in the gaps to keep things moving. But because the players were never learning the actual uh, rules, it just made combat really slow, and and it was and it was uh, it was more work for me than it would be in a comparable system because I kept having to basically help the guys through to making you know uh, understanding what what they were wanting to do and how it would play out mechanically and also I don't think that they were able to take advantage of the tactically optimal things I didn't want to tell them how to play their characters 
uh, at first what I would do is just sort of point out, hey, you know, did you mean to say that you were going to use your blah, blah, blah feet to do X because that would result in this thing? And they would say, oh, that's cool. Yeah, I'll do that. But they wouldn't remember it necessarily. They would just assume that I guess I would do it again or it, or they didn't care enough. I mean, it just it, they were just as happy to make an attack roll, you know, roll and then have me fill in the narration uh, to uh, or narrative flavor to, to describe what that uh, the consequence of those dice rolls were. Um but um, they were fairly invested in the character creation side of it. So they got to know that stuff really well. And I mean, that's easier, I think. Uh, and there's more incentive to there because you're, you're able to tr- directly translate into it. Uh, tr- translate what you're learning and the work you're putting in into, into payoff because your character, you're seeing, oh, cool, I made this neat combo between my feet and my class and my ancestry or race or whatever. And, and uh, there was payoff there. But there wasn't necessarily thought in how to maximize the gameplay. Now, one of the things I've been talking about with my players quite a bit and a little bit on this podcast is how the difference, you know, how the game, the difference between what a game reads and how it plays at the table. And also how the real meat of the game is when it's at the table. That's where the gameplay is. That's where the game is. The game isn't necessarily, to my mind, when you're making your characters and whatnot. I think that's a separate game. The game is when you're at the table. And if you're not learning the tactical rules and you're not learning those things and not learning how to maximize and play that part of the game best, I'm not sure you're actually playing the game. Like, you're not really learning how to play the game. You're learning how to play the character creation game. Now, a consequence of this in my games was is that also um, I was trying to run the game as kind of the Pathfinder games as written, which was to say I was awarding XP based on the, what the game told me to. So, you know, killing a goblin would reward X amount of XP, and, you know, as you slowly did things, you would gain more XP, and then you'd get a certain point where you would, um, you know, you would uh, gain a new level. But the players were regularly asking me, or sort of like, you know, oh, are we hitting a new level yet? Are we hitting a new level yet? And I had been saying to them, like, guys, like, you're just, you're, I think that the complex system, the character generation system is what is driving you, you know, you guys are more interested in engaging with that uh, than you are with the actual game at the table. And I think that part of that was, in retrospect, at the time I was like, well, this is because the game is, the character creation is too complex. It's, there's so much fun and interesting things there and you're not engaging with the stuff at the table that it's distracting you from what is, I think, was supposed to be the most important thing, which is the actual play of the game. You're, you're more interested in going back to min-maxing your character than you are in, uh, in just playing the game at the table. And that's not true. That's, that's overstating what I think what they were saying. They were obviously happy to show up and play. But I felt like there was an element there uh, of that. Now I'm wondering it's, whether it's because the only part of the game they really learned was the character creation component. And they didn't engage with the actual rules, the task resolution, the combat, the the things that that I track, you know, when I'm running the game. And uh, and I think that's that's maybe not necessarily a problem with the system, I guess. It's it's maybe it's a problem. I mean, partly I'll, I'll take some ownership here. It's a problem with me. I didn't tell my players uh, that look, you need to learn this stuff because I need you to understand this so that I'm not spending the whole time explaining the game route continuously. Uh, I want there to be uh, a game where you guys are playing the game and uh, you understand that uh, both the character creation and the tactical portion of the game 
uh, you're able to make meaningful and interesting decisions so you'll have a fun experience both when you're creating characters and uh, when you are engaging with the other parts of the game at the table, including combat, because it's a you know, fantasy role-playing game, so you're going to be engaged in, in combat uh, to one degree or another. But So I guess that what I'm already doing is blowing up my thesis. But my thesis, I think, is, is still good. You know, if that tactical, or still sound to a degree, because if the tactical component of the game was less complex and there was less there, then my players would not, they would still be able to engage with the game, the full game. Um, but I don't know if that actually gets away from the issue of the complex character generation. So I guess maybe, maybe what I'll do is I'll, I'll pause this uh, segment here and I'll segue into a new one where I want to talk about incentive structures. So one of the things that um, kind of set me on the road to the uh, to playing a lot of OSR games lately was a thread I read on Twitter that was talking about incentive structures. And I found it really persuasive at the time. And the way it, what it said was that uh, because characters, uh, or players rather, um, are rewarded more for, uh, in terms of XP or experience points by recovering treasure in old school versions of D&D, so OD&D, um, basic D&D, uh, and actually I don't know if it is in basic D&D, I think it is. Um, Beck me, I think maybe changed it, but in any event, uh, basic D&D, um, AD&D, uh, and as an optional rule in AD&D, second edition, you gained XP from recovering treasure on a one XP per GP basis. Uh, you also uh, gained XP from killing things, but that was a lot less. And then there was a shift towards awarding XP for, you know, quote unquote role playing things. But uh, that was a minimal uh, component um, for achieving goals. But again, it was a minimal component. The primary source of, of XP was by killing things by, or defeating things, which meant that um, the th- as the theory went, that in uh, later versions of D&D, it really incentivized the uh, combat. Uh, rather than the um, uh, than you know just getting the actual loot, uh, so and at the time I was like, oh yeah, of course that's what it is. It's it's a clear incentive structure towards one thing versus another. But you know the more time that has passed, and me actually playing uh, some of these games and seeing how my players react. Uh, I'm not 100% convinced that that's really true for most players. I think, to be honest, most players just play the game, and then the consequence of advancement uh, in terms of XP is is just a uh, a byproduct. It's not something that incentivizes one type of behavior versus another. I think there are other things that do that. Like uh, I've been running the Barrow Maze campaign for about uh, six months now, and uh, I have switched from Pathfinder 2nd Edition uh, to using Scar- a modified version of Scarlet Heroes. And um, the Scarlet Heroes game has, neither of those has a, you know, incentivizing uh, GP over uh, killing things or defeating things uh, as a thing, as a incentive. I was trying to do something like that in Pathfinder 2nd Edition, but it just would not, math would not work out easily. Um, but it really didn't change the fact that the players wanted to get into the barrel maze. They knew that's where they got cool stuff. You know, and they, that's the way they knew that they were. That's where they got cool encounters and things like that. So, um, I don't think that um, uh, XP necessarily is the is the you know getting it from gold is is a, a calculation that players are making in their mind in terms of how to engage with the game. Um, so, so I'm not sure I buy that. However, I think that by it is possible that by having uh, certain areas of the game be more complex in terms of 
more things for the players to think about and consider and play around with, uh, like character generation, uh, like, um, you know, uh, combat, then um, that is more likely to see them engage because, you know, players playing role-playing games, they, you know, as much as they want to engage in the role-playing as well, there, there needs, to my mind, there needs to be a game there as well that they can interface with. And uh, the way that uh, Pathfinder and Starfinder and those kind of games, DD 5th edition to a degree, uh, the, uh, stars without number uh, to a degree as well with the foci you get to pick as you go up level, levels those give opportunities for the players to to really play around with and think about and theory craft about the game um, combat is such an instantial thing that unless you've got a fairly quick resolving system uh, and something that, that uh, offers different options uh, to the players in a quick and, and you know manner, then it can really slow down. It can you know D and D fit fourth edition is probably one of the most easy culprits to point to in terms of offering a wealth of options in combat, but really you know sacrificing pace of play uh, in order to to achieve that. Um, I have recently in the last uh, two years I've been running a lot of uh, Modifius's Conan two D twenty game as well too. And uh, I ran that recently for some friends uh, who hadn't played it before. And it was really interesting running that after having been away from that kind of game and running OSR games for the last little while. And uh, it, uh, the pace of play wasn't uh, too excruciatingly slow, but uh, it certainly was noticeably a little more dragged on, a little more like with the mechanics intruding on the narrative than, uh, than what I saw before. I mean that said, like for those who are unfamiliar with the Conan 2D20 game, it's a really great game. Like it's it's uh, for what it, it specifically tries to be, which is a pulpy recreation of uh, Howard's stories and, and to play a kind of Howardian style of play, where like every sword stroke and every you know clash of blades and every bow shot is is a significant and consequential thing. Um, that's a great system for that, and the reason is is because you get to make, uh, you have a mechanic or rather a resource called momentum that is generated as you play uh, that uh, gets to be spent on a round-by-round -round basis to do different things. You could maybe make a second attack or you can make your attack an armor-piercing attack or you can, you know, uh, feed that uh, momentum to another player to set them up for a, a more powerful attack or, or something like that. And um, that is... Uh, that is really, really fun. It can be a lot of fun if all the players know their options and, and are keeping things moving. Uh, but it, it really does uh, it does get to a point where you, you, can't, you can't have too many players and combat gets boring for some players because they, unless that's their turn, they're just having people, you know, weigh their options out loud and then, um, you know, and then uh, eventually seeing the, the effect of that in the fiction. Uh, I contrast that game with uh, Astonishing Swordsmen and Sorcerers of Hyperborea, which I ran recently, and I had a shit ton of fun running that, and I felt like that run, that game ran at a much faster pace, largely because there's not that tactical depth. So, you know, uh, I think that um, there is some, uh, there is a possibility of, of giving tactical depth as well, which means that there is, an, yeah, you know, there are, a variety of options and, and considerations that the players get to weigh over or mull over um, on a round-to-round -round basis, but the cost of that means dramatic pacing. So does that mean that if both those things are true, is that you cannot get away from tactical 
complexity in combat without sacrificing dramatic pacing. And he can't get away from ta- uh, complex character generation without getting away from a wandering eye on the part of the player. Uh, does that mean that you that the only way to keep a game where players are solely invested in what's happening at the table uh, and keeps the, the action moving at a, a decent and brisk pace is to have low complexity on both sides. Hmm. I'm, what I'm going to do is I'm going to pause. I'm going to end this uh, segment here and I'm going to let myself, I'm going to mull that over for the rest of the day. And then I will come back later today and I'll share my thoughts in a, in a kind of conclusion as to whether I think that that's, there is a unbreakable tension there. Hmm. You know, I mean, I, or whether you can have those things and whether that requires just certain understandings and certain um, certain agreements between the players and the DM in terms of um, where that's, you know, uh, how, how to manage those two things that may take away from, you know, focus on the on what's happening at the table and on the... Uh, Uh, keeping an exciting pace of play more on that a little later so to cycle back to the beginning um let's my my thesis was was that if there's a complex character management system and there is a complex uh tactical combat system in a role-playing game the combination of those two things will uh encourage the players to focus on the character generation components which has the consequence of uh, slowing down the narrative pace of play because they're not as focused or, or as knowledgeable of the tactical comp- uh, combat component. Um, and, uh, and it also shifts character focus where they're you know, really looking to engage with that complex uh, character generation part of the, uh, of, the, of the game. Or really, I guess, you know, if I'm, I, I've been sort of setting it out as a separate component, as a separate game, because it doesn't really, the players don't necessarily interact with the actual play at the table while they're doing that. I mean, there are certain games like, uh, you know, Scarlet Heroes requires you to pick uh, traits when you gain a level uh, that you have actually, that relate to what you did at the previous level. Um, but not a lot of games do that. A lot of uh, your leveling is usually um, completely inconsistent with whatever your experience was during that, uh, you know, that play or the, the, the experience you had at the table. In the previous level of the previous, you know, period or whatever, um, Mithras and uh, Rune Quest they, they do something different too with the the whole ticking uh, next to it, Call of Cthulhu as well, and basic role playing where you're making ticks next to things that you've done or skills you've used. But for the most part, it's independent. So, um, sorry, I got a little distracted in in <laughs> trivia there for a sec. But that's what the thesis was, was that um, having that kind of complex uh, character generation and a complex tactical will sort of encourage players to engage uh, and learn uh, and how to maximize uh, the use uh, and their, their returns, I guess, from that uh, character generation system while not necessarily, uh, you know, encouraging or, or um, engaging with and learning how to, you know, work the tactical combat system as well. Now, um, this is something that I... um, This is only really a problem, I think, if you really are an impatient DM or an impatient player. Uh, I'm quite impatient. I I am really... I want to see things moving 
at a good pace. I want to make best use of my time, which to my mind is is getting through as much content as uh, as you can. I mean, obviously, uh, you want to be doing that in a fun and dramatic way. You want it to be an exciting session, uh, and every session should be an exciting session, whether it's involves violence or whether it involves just, you know, uh, intrigue between characters or developments between, um, you know, character arcs and things like that. Uh, but you want us to be seeing things happen. And uh, I think, I think, I think, I think that that is a problem. Uh, the complex character generation combined with tactical uh, complexity. Only when the players do not take it upon themselves or it's not forced on them to learn the system, to learn how those things all function uh, so that when it comes to their turn, when it to engage with it, and I don't necessarily mean their turn in terms of like, you know, um, initiative order. I mean like when it's the, so everyone looks at the, the player, uh, individual players, like what do you do this turn? That there isn't a fumbling around of, um, you know, uh, with what, uh, how they translate what they want to do into the mechanics of the game. You know, um, one of the things that uh, I see quite often is, and I've, I've mentioned this to my players uh, lately, just to, that I, you know, it's, it's starting to not bother me by any means, but it's just, it's something that I'm noticing a lot where I constantly have to remind them. And that's things like, you know, how many actions you have in a turn. You know, players who are trying to like, you know, uh, they have their hands full of uh, with two things, and they're like, "Oh, I'm gonna you know draw this and do this." And it's like, okay, well, what happens to what's in your hands then? You know, and uh, if your character is carrying a sword in one hand and or a torch in one hand and a staff in the other one, you know, um, how are you gonna light that torch? Uh, you're gonna drop something. You're gonna have to have two hands free in order to do that. And I've been noticing that some of my players uh, just have not been... I'm constantly reminding them of, look, no, you, you, you have to drop something. Then what are you doing with your staff? Are you dropping that? And I get the kind of like, ugh, you know, response from my players of, as if like I'm, you know, uh, raining on their parade in, in, to some degree. Um, and, you know, I, what my response to that was to say, okay, guys what I'm going to ask you to do is be really mindful of what your character's circumstances are. You know, picture yourself for what your character's actually doing, what they've got in their hands, and how they're going to do what you're describing. And then, you, you know, that will ad address some of the problems that I'm seeing where I'm having to be the buzzkill of saying, like, no, you can't do that because you're using up too much of your movement or you're, you know, you're not accounting for having to draw something and, uh, you know, pull something out of a backpack or, or whatever. And um, uh, th that's the reason I, I mean, to be honest, this particular game we're playing is a little more tactical than what some of the other more freewheeling games have been. So it's, it's partly, you know, me not making it clear what my expectations were, I guess. But, um, but I think that's a problem when you get into those more complex games where there is very specific types of um, actions you take, you know, swift actions, uh, main actions or... Uh, I can't remember what they're called. Standard actions. Uh, standard actions. I actually liked it in um, fourth when it was just move minor standard. You know, we would uh, uh, make a joke about it uh, being a song or like a college band because uh, Penny Arcade had an old joke about that. That move minor standard was their college uh, band. Um, that was easy to wrap your head around. But uh, anyway, I'm getting kind of lost once again in 
uh, trivia, but I think that what, what you can make that work, you can make the uh, complex character generation, complex tactical systems uh, work um, if you have your conversation with the players beforehand and you, you run a game that they will either learn or that they already know. Um, I have a long-standing love of the Shadowrun role-playing game. I, I just, you know, um, there's, I, I should say, I mean, there's about one day out of four where I really bounce hard off of the assumptions of the game with the whole, like, cyberpunk meets, uh, um, what do you call it, uh, cyberpunk meets uh, Tolkien kind of uh, aspect but uh, more days than not, I really love it, and I, I really want to, you know, I really want to run that game. However, uh, the most recent iteration, and to be honest, all the previous iterations too, are really fucking complex. Like they're really, com they've got very, very complicated rules. Uh, they've got a ton of different subsystems as well uh, for doing a bunch of different things, like hacking and spellcasting and uh, vehicle combat and tactical combat and social interaction stuff. So. The game requires, you know, uh, at the very least, the DM to know a bunch of things. And if the players don't know it, then you have to constantly explain what those subsystems are and how they work and whatnot. And uh, that can make for a really brutally slow pace of play when you're constantly, um, in you're constantly interrupting the action or the narrative to go into detail about what, how, you know, the mechanically the players uh, um, resolve what they're trying to do. Um, further, there's also tons of uh, options that can potentially come into play. Uh, not only situational modifiers, but things like, you know, um, magic items or uh, spells or, you know, um, items like other general items. Uh, so, yeah, like cyberware or, you know, things that are carried. And, uh, oh boy, like it just, if you do not run that game with either a great deal of the complexity stripped out or players who genuinely know the system uh, at least to a degree to be able to uh, figure out basic mechanics um, then um, it's a uh, it really is an un, to my mind an unplayable game at least not if you want to play it on a uh, relatively casual basis uh, so I guess you know uh, I think that my thesis is is correct uh, that complex uh, character generation, complex tactical, uh, will lead to a, um, a slow pace of play unless you've got. And, and to be honest, it won't it won't lead to a meaningful engagement with the system uh, because you know if you don't learn the tactical uh, sides of it, you're not really getting a chance to make uh, clever, you know, player driven decisions as to how you approach certain certain uh, you know uh, certain challenges that you'll face in the game um but if you have players like the players of the glass cannon podcast who do know the system backwards and forwards then um yeah then i mean i think it can be a, a really good and fun uh game or it seems like it could be and um it doesn't seem like that would affect the pace of play nor does it seem like that would be forcing players to think of you know to be focusing on the one area of the game that they do know and that they want us to re-engage with, which is the character management component of the system. Now, <clears throat> I guess there is... Um... So I think one thing that, uh, that that doesn't address, that I didn't actually talk about a lot in this podcast was, or this episode at least, 
is how the focus on character generation or the character management system can take you away from things that are in-game. But I think maybe I'll talk about that in a separate episode. I got some thoughts on how um, having things to manage and uh, beyond just your character, you know, or your character's uh, abilities, you know, things like managing um, rations or ra- managing, you know, um, hirelings or things like that, like how those can invest you in the game in, a, in a, at the table in a way that the character management systems just don't. Um, but that's really beyond what the scope of my uh, thesis was, I guess, today. So, yeah. So anyway, that's, I guess, what my conclusion is on that. What do you think? Like, do you think I'm, I'm uh, just framing a straw man here and I'm just, you know, beating down a, a, a pretty hollow argument? Or do you think that um, there is something to this idea that maybe it's the fact that players are choosing... In, in an overall complex game to engage with the easiest part of the system and the part that gives them the most direct reward rather than engaging with the more complex things. You know, everything I said about Pathfinder is equally applicable to, say, Rollmaster. You know, uh, Rollmaster's got a pretty complex tactical combat system as well um, and a pretty complex uh, character generation system. And I feel like the first thing that players will engage with and really try to master is the character generation system rather than the tactical combat. So, hmm. And maybe one way to get around this stuff is to just run with pregens. You know, if you're running pre-generated characters, the players do need to know what the... Um, what do you call it? What the uh, characters or what the... Uh, uh, specific characters are able to do, but they're not necessarily having to engage with a full character management system. They're not, not picking, you know, uh, skills and spells and equipment and stuff like that. They're just learning how the actual game is played and giving an opportunity to, to learn the tactical component of that. Maybe that's a way to to address... I mean, I, I don't think that's a very good way of approaching it on an ongoing basis, but maybe that's a way to get the players to learn the system first and learn all the tricks and, and whatnot of the tactical system and uh, uh, and then let them engage with the other part of the game, which is the character creation. Uh, I don't think that's necessarily a perfect solution because I know lots of I know some of my players who really love making their characters. And uh, I have said in the past that I, I prefer to let, have them play as pre-gen so they learn the system and then they're making meaningful decisions um, when they're making the um, uh, their characters. But um, I don't know. I mean, like maybe that's uh, that is robbing the characters or the players rather of that fun, creative component of uh, playing these types of games. That uh, which is you know making your own characters. But anyway, what do you guys think? I, I don't know. I mean, I uh, hmm, maybe it's just that uh, tactical or uh, overly complex systems, be it with character generation uh, or tactical, uh, you know. Um, combat that those just aren't for my pacing maybe it's just not to my liking but I don't think that's true because I mean I do like I've had a lot of fun with the Conan game so it's not necessarily the degree of complexity with the game to me it's the speed with which you can make your way through those uh, those systems so anyway let's go with the outro so I wasn't really crazy about the conclusions I reached in the last segment. So I, th- I think I'd taken the dog for a walk and I've had a chance to think about this. And I think that there are more productive things I can say about this. 
Um, it's not, I've got in my you know, list of to-dos in 2019 a bunch of games that are uh, complex, uh, they have complex tactical rules, and they have uh, fairly complex character uh, generation systems. So there's lots of, of cool things to do in both of those subsystems. And I'm not about to just say, well, I'm not going to run those unless my players learn them backwards and forwards. Um, and I'm, I'm not going to try and attract them with the really cool character creation options. Instead, here's what I'm going to suggest as a way of approaching this. Knowing that there's going to be some interesting character decisions to make in, uh, in a game, I think that what I'm going to do for... And I'm, I'm just using this as an exemplar that uh, I'll, be, uh, you know, I'll be using for my games for uh, 2019 is for those really complex games, I will be making pre-generated characters that will highlight some of the interesting options that, uh, and variety of options that the characters can, uh, can select in that. I may leave one or two things for the players to choose on each of the things, like selecting spells or selecting equipment or whatever. Um, but I'm also going to be providing uh, handouts uh, for or cheat sheets for more complex games. I, I've done this before for when I've run GURPS or when I've run um, Pathfinder, when I, f I first transitioned my players from 4th uh, edition D&D to Pathfinder. And uh, to be, I haven't done that in the last little bit, uh, largely because... Actually, I really don't know. I mean, it may be because we're playing online rather than playing in person, but I just, I've gotten out of that habit. And I think that it's really... Uh, it's a really helpful thing. If you're, when I ran Conan, for instance, I had a ton of handouts that I gave to the players, not just, you know, sending them PDFs. I mean, literal handouts, things I printed off and I'd either mailed to them or I had, um, provided them in person when we played in person, or if I, you know, uh, had, we were playing elsewhere, I would mail it to them, uh, or by online, I mean. Um, and I think that's the, the way in, and the reason being is because what you want to highlight if the problem is, and again, this is based on uh, the, the maybe uh, the conclusion may be wrong here. If, if I'm wrong about the the problem, but the, I see the problem being is that it's more attractive for players to f you know fall into or players to fall into the character creation portion or p character generate uh, management portion of the game rather than the t tactical component. Again, assuming t the tactics are uh, tactical components, an important part of the game, and a way to get around that and get them to actually learn this stuff is to make the decisions for them for the character creation for the first time they're playing and get them familiar with that with that part get them to learn the game as the actual game at the table as the the you know complex tactical components help them understand what their decisions are let them see in the course of that first session uh, what the consequences of their, of their decisions are, what happens when they fight all out, what happens when they fight uh, defensively, what happens when they fight with long weapons, like with uh, reach, ones that don't. Um, and then uh, when it comes time to, you know, if you decide to run that game as an ongoing campaign, well, you have a wealth of information that the, the players will have learned a fair amount, hopefully, about how the game's actually played. Plus, they'll be familiar with using those uh, cheat sheets as well, which means that the part of the game that I've seen issues with, where players are more inclined to engage with the character creation rather than the, you know, the actual tactical play, that might help offset that. Uh, or at the very least, it may help bring their level of comfort and level of knowledge about the tactical side of it up to the same level as the character creation. And nowadays, I mean, with the massive communities that most games have on uh, Google+, Plus, on MeWe, uh, it's pretty easy to find cheat sheets if you don't want to make them yourself. Uh, so, and actually, I mean, a lot of publishers include things like that, little, 
you know, compilations of the different tables you'll, you'll need uh, near the end of, uh, of the book. So I think that's the way to handle, I mean, it, it means that there's more work up front for the DM, obviously. Um, but if what the goal is, is to let the players learn the system and be, get invested in the fiction that you're trying to create, even though there's a more complex um, rules mechanic behind the scenes in terms of both the character creation and the, uh, the tactics, you're helping them, you're taking care of one thing for them, and you're um, helping them to understand the other decisions they'll be making at the table. And you can't really do it the other way around, right? Because, I mean, you, you can't have them all create their characters and then, you know, um, do the decisions. Well, I guess you can. Then you can make the decisions on the tactical side for them, which is, I guess, what I've been doing and I've been dissatisfied with. That, but so, hmm, I believe I, I've actually learned something here. So, so yeah. So, anyway, um, I, I realize, again, like in the grand scheme of things, all I've really come to the conclusion of is that the rules that have complex character creation and complex uh, tactical systems, you need to, you know, that will re result in slow play unless, or it will result in the players focusing on the thing that they can sit and do at home, which is uh, just create characters and fully engage with that portion of the system. Whereas they can't really engage with the full portion of the system that is the, the tactics uh, because they have to do that at play. But that's maybe a strategy for getting around that issue. So anyway, I, hopefully that's a more productive way of ending this episode. So uh, if not, or if you have any other questions, again, uh, please feel free to shoot me a message, shoot me a tweet on uh, Twitter at Dungeon Musings, all one word. Uh, and, uh, or you can shoot me an email at uh, Dungeon Musings, all one word, plural, at gmail.com. And I guess finally, too, if you enjoy hearing the sound of my voice, you can feel free to join me on the Dungeon Musings uh, YouTube channel as well. If you're not, I imagine that most folks who are listening to this podcast are already aware of it. But if not, you can find a whole host of different reviews and uh, discussions and actual plays on my YouTube channel, also uh, entitled Dungeon Musings. So anyway, thanks for listening all, and uh, I'll see you again next time.